All right, so my assignment is tonight to talk about dinosaurs, okay? All right. Now, most of the information that we'll be talking about, you can find in Creation Magazine as well as at, on our website. And how many people know what the website address is? Can you, can you actually tell me what it is? Exactly. That's one of the biggest things I want you to remember because that is a resource that will be with you uh, that you can use at any time you have a question. So dinosaurs and the Bible. And you might wonder if we're in church, why would we talk about dinosaurs? I mean, isn't that something you do in school? But why, why would we? How many people here have heard the idea that dinosaurs roamed the earth over 65 million years ago? Okay. Now, here's the deal, though, that if evolution in those millions of years are true, makes an impact on the way that we see the Bible. That means that if evolution is true, we've descended from a fish. Does the Bible say that? Uh, there actually, no God is required in evolution. Adam and Eve would just be a story. Noah's flood would be a myth. That would mean that God did not write the Bible. And maybe even more importantly, if evolution is true, man is just a more highly evolved animal, okay? And then if that's true, then man, not God, determines what's right or wrong. So if dinosaurs are over 65 million years old, and if evolution is true, do you see how it would make an impact on the way that we see the Bible? Okay, that's why we're going to talk about dinosaurs today. But we're going to do something maybe different than you've ever done before. We're going to start out using the Bible as our foundation to learn things about dinosaurs. All right? We're going to try to use a biblical worldview. Have you guys ever heard of a worldview? It's the way you view the world, okay? <laughs> that's basically it. But I like to think of it as glasses. You know, for example... Uh, back in the sound booth there, there's a man. Well, just a minute, wait. Well, I'm pretty sure it's a man. But I can tell you right now with absolute certainty that if that is a man, he has no eyes, no nose, and no mouth. Because I could... Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Oh, I was wrong. He does have eyes, nose, and mouth. He's a handsome gentleman. However, nothing changed about the light that was reflected off of his face going back into the retina, okay? Actually, it did, excuse me. The light came there, but when I put my glasses on, these lenses helped focus that light onto the back of my retina so that I could then see more clearly. So a worldview is kind of like glasses. It's the way we view the world. Now, we can look at dinosaurs through evolutionary glasses. And if we do that, we're going to see millions of years of death and destruction. Okay? We're going to see millions of years of fossil extinction, even tumors like cancer in dinosaurs. We actually have bones where dinosaurs had cancer. But like I said, today we are going to look at dinosaurs through different lenses, specifically through biblical glasses. And today I hope to help answer some questions that many of you have. And we're going to do some pop quizzes. I hope that's okay. Okay, so first question is, can you name this dinosaur? Right. And now a more challenging question. And that is, when did Triceratops live? Did, was it 65 million years ago or during the Mesozoic or perhaps the Jurassic or maybe we won't know until we get to heaven? Well, keep in mind, 
We're using our biblical glasses in order to answer that question. And the Bible does have some things to say about the origin of dinosaurs. Okay? In fact, in the, in the beginning, the, the very first verse, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And then here in Exodus 20, which is part of the Ten Commandments, it says that God created everything in heaven and earth in how much time? How many millions of years did God create? Six days. days? Really? Yep, that's what it says right there. So let's first take a look at what those six days of creation are. Who here, maybe raise your hand and let me know. Now, keep in mind that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's everything, okay? But then he goes through in Genesis chapter 1 and part of Genesis 2 to tell us about what he created on each and every day. What did he create on day one, somebody? Light, correct. Okay, how about day two? A little harder. No, the darkness was there at the beginning and light was done. What, what about day two? Well, water was there, I will agree, because you've got to keep in mind that earth, when he created earth, earth was basically a big ball of water. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the, what? Water. So it was a big water. But specifically on day two, what he did is he created what they call the expanse. Okay, the expanse separated the waters from below to the waters above. And we can talk about that maybe a little bit more in, in Q&A if you want. Okay, how about day three? Land, exactly, and with the land, plants. Somebody's getting these. Okay, how about day four? Not yet, no animals yet. The sun, the moon, the stars, the celestial things. How about day five? Okay, swimming and flying creatures. Birds and fish would be included in that. And then on day six, he first created what? Land animals. And then, after that, humans. Got through that one. All right. So now, based on what the Bible says, when did Triceratops live? First. Day six. All dinosaurs are land animals. Day six. But now we have something that's a little goofy, right? Because also on day six man was created. Not separated by 65 million years. You know, do we have any evidence for that? Well, I do have my Kodak study Bible, but I don't think that's a very scientific or reliable source. But keep in mind, like we talked about today, God said, if I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe, then why would you believe when I talk of heavenly things? So if we don't believe God when he talks about dinosaurs, then why would we believe all the other stuff in the Bible. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, next question. Another pop quiz. What species is this? That is correct. Okay, more challenging question. What did the first T-Rex eat? I'm going to make it multiple choice. Was it meat or plants or both or something entirely different? Okay. All right, guys. We're going to use our biblical glasses in order to answer that question. And if we do, for you people that were paying attention in church this morning, you might know the answer. Because remember, in that perfect paradise, there was no death of man nor animals. 
He said, I give you plants for food. So originally, I know it, it might be a little shock, but if we're taking the very first dinosaurs would not have been eating meat. Now bear with me, bear with me, okay? You listen to the whole thing. I, I think it's good to be skeptical, but listen, because you're going to hear this. And you might be thinking, you've got to be crazy. Look at those guys. I mean, they fight, they kill. I've seen the movies, right? <laughs> but again, and, and, and I want to tell you, I, I have personal experience with this, so I kind of know what you're talking about, all right? They seem like they're out to get us. But the question is, was it a Brachiosaurus burger, a mammoth steak? Or does the Bible tell us something completely different? Remember, we talked about today that God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 30, he told all the animals, which would have included the dinosaurs, that they had plants for food. He also, in the verse right before that, told man that he had plants for food. Remember, there was no death no suffering. It was a perfect paradise. Animals weren't dying either. So if Genesis is true here, then both we and the dinosaurs and the lions and tigers and bears, thank you, (laughs) did not kill. But we're vegetarian. And you might be thinking, again, I think you're crazy. Look at those sharp teeth. I mean, obviously this is a killing machine right? Those sharp teeth obviously tell us that all it does is a predator and it goes around killing things. All right, well, let's look into that. Here's a skull of a particular species. Which one do you guys think this might be? A bear. A bear, okay. Velociraptor, okay. Actually, I'm going to let you know that this is a fruit bat skull. Okay, I didn't tell you it was a dinosaur. I didn't trick you. Well, maybe I did. But Here's the thing. Guess what the main diet of a fruit bat might be? Does anybody want to go out on a limb and think about what it might be? It's fruit. Absolutely, it is fruit. So in this case, if you notice those teeth in the front, they look like they were built in order to, uh, to, to hold the prey. The teeth in the back are so sharp they could cut a piece of paper. Until I told you it was a fruit bat, you thought that was a pretty ferocious looking creature, right? But this animal eats absolutely no meat. It's 100% vegetarian. So sharp teeth does not mean that an animal eats meat. It only means what? It has sharp teeth, exactly. How about this? What species is this? Saber-toothed tiger? Actually, in this case, it is a deer. And it lives in China now. These, These deer live in China. They eat only saplings, leaves, and berries absolutely no meat. So again, you might say those th- that had really sharp teeth, but in this case, it doesn't mean that it eats meat. It only means what? That it has sharp teeth. Okay, here's another one. Okay, I'll give you a clue. This one is a bear. Okay, this is a bear. It's a ferocious, terrifying panda, <laughs> which eats does not eat meat. It only eats bamboo. And that, those teeth, those sharp teeth come in handy for getting into a bamboo stalk. Um, here, we're in the fall time. You know, pump, there's pumpkin patches going around. Has anybody here ever carved a pumpkin? Yeah? Ma'am, I, I'll just use you. Young lady, uh, you carved a pumpkin. What did you use to carve your pumpkin? A carving tool? 
carving knife, okay? And what, 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 what would you call that knife? Would you say it was a sharp knife? And didn't that come in handy, carving that pumpkin? Okay, so I'm now going to show you a picture of something that maybe you've never seen before. Might make you laugh, but I want to let you know that it is possibly something that could have happened. Okay? Now just keep in mind, keep in mind, guys, wait. The Bible says that they didn't eat meat. And I just showed you a bunch of animals and I could show you actually hundreds more with very, very sharp, frightening looking teeth that eat no meat. Okay? So just because something has sharp teeth does not mean that all it does is eat meat. Now, please don't go home and tell everybody, hey, the creation guy said that dinosaurs never ate meat. After the fall, which is in the Bible, when death came into the world, yes, carnivory or killing did start, okay? And that did happen at that point. And by the way, only about one-third of the dinosaur species are carnivores. Two-thirds, most dinosaurs are herbivores, a few of them are omnivores. So most of them actually ate plants. Uh, In Creation Magazine, we talk about this lion named Tyke, okay? A guy in mid-America that had a big uh, ranch thought it would be a great idea to have a lion. No, it's not not a good idea at all. But anyhow, when he brought this lion, Tyke, in here, um, you know, he brought the meat for Tyke to eat, but Tyke didn't eat meat. He called the veterinarian. He knew that Tyke was going to die because obviously this is a carnivore. The doctor, the vet even tried to wean this lion onto meat by putting drops of blood in its milk and it would shun that milk away if it had the smell of blood. This lion lived to a full and ripe adult age, never eating a piece of meat. In fact, there's a a tiger that was in in a zoo in Italy that only ate a particular kind of meatless spaghetti sauce. And if the chef didn't get the spices just right, he wouldn't eat that either. And I think you've heard of finicky cats, okay? That is one that you don't want. Okay, next question. Were dinosaurs on the ark? I think you're right, and I think the Bible says that. Because the Bible doesn't say that God brought two of every kind of animal except for dinosaurs, did he? No. So dinosaurs probably. But then, how in the world could they fit? You know, seems that Noah has a space problem, doesn't it? But folks, let's think biblically, okay? And that is, the first question to ask was, how big was the ark? Really big. Actually, the technical term was it was humongous. Not really big. It was huge. It was ginormous, okay? But the Bible actually tells us exactly how big it was. There's detailed dimensions and, and uh, kind of like almost a blueprint. In fact, if we actually put it into scale, it would be a minimum of 450 feet long. That's one and a half American football fields, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Okay? And if you can see right here, there are two people on top to give you scale of how huge this vessel was. In fact, it could hold 522 stock railroad cars. That would be a train eight miles long, and you've never seen a train that long because they don't do that, okay? But it could hold 125,000 animals the size of a sheep. And only 11% of the animals alive today are bigger than sheep, actually. 
So if you see right here, here are some sauropod dinosaurs. Here is a uh, um, stegosaurus, okay? So do you see how it would be easy to fit even dinosaurs into the ark? It didn't look anything like this, folks, okay? And I think it's interesting that we see some of these in people's nurseries and in, in, and in and I'm going to call them fairy tale books because this is not what the Bible says happened. This is a fairy tale. What happened in Noah's Ark was the second most destructive thing in the history of the world. All people, except for the eight on the Ark, were killed. And the limited number of animals and, and birds on the Ark died. This was a judgment. It was not a cute thing. Okay? And so we need to be teaching ourselves as well as our kids and grandkids the truth about the flood. It was a judgment. So in a way, you might want to think about maybe not doing this. But we were talking about fitting the dinosaurs on the ark, you know, and you might be thinking, yeah, but they're really big. You know, how in the world could they have gotten that? How'd they get those big ones on there? But did you know that actually only a small percentage of dinosaurs were really big? In fact, there was plenty of them the size of chickens, Okay? And the reason you don't know too much about that is because if they were in the movies, they could just go like this. Huh? And that wouldn't be very scary. They just show you the big scary ones. Now, this is actually my son's toy T-Rex. Okay? And I remember I'd have friends over and he would go around saying, this is a full-size T-Rex. This is full-size. This is a full-size T-Rex. But guys, tell me, is this full-size? You actually are right. Wait, what? <laughs> Let me explain to you. Because, see, that T-Rex started out in an egg. The largest dinosaur egg ever discovered is only slightly larger than an American football. Okay? And by the way, I did tell you that I was going to bring this. I have a pretty decent fossil collection. This is my prized possession. I want you to take care of it. But, kids, if you guys want to touch a dinosaur egg afterwards. You have my permission as long as maybe somebody could supervise and make sure it doesn't get dropped. It's made out of rock. It won't break, but I'd rather not test it, okay? But yeah, you got to understand that all dinosaurs, they came from eggs. They started out small, okay? So here would be an accurate depiction of maybe a teenage dinosaur, a sauropod. And do you think God would want to bring some old, stinky grandpa dinosaurs. And by the way, I wasn't looking at any stinky grandpa when I said that, but I'm just talking about what do you want to do that? Or what do you want to bring some young, smaller, pre-adolescent dinosaurs onto the ark that had plenty of breeding years left and were very healthy? You know, I think that's the case. Okay, now, we've talked about how big the ark was, how big the dinosaurs were. But then the next question might be, but there's so many dinosaurs. You know, how many were on the ark. And scientists actually have categorized over 700 different dinosaur species, okay? But the number one dinosaur scientist in the world, Jack Horner from Montana State University, who was portrayed actually, uh, not by name, but he was portrayed in the uh, Jurassic Park series, okay? Um, actually, he has discovered and now proven scientifically that most of those species aren't different species. They're dinosaurs in different uh, levels of growth. 
these three are the same, even though they were categorized as different. So there are fewer species. That is true. But does the Bible say God brought two of every species to the ark? No, he brought two of every kind. So now we have to find out what is a kind. And I'm going to start out with something you're more familiar with, maybe perhaps dogs. Okay? Now on the left, that is Gibson who in 2004 was the world's largest dog. And down below is Boo Boo, who in 2007 is the world's smallest dog. Okay? Looks like Gibson's thinking about having a snack. Just contemplating, <laughs> thinking about it. But I want to let you know that uh, God only needed one dog kind on the ark. How do I know that? Because of DNA. We've sequenced the dog genome, and we found out that all dogs from Gibson all the way down to Boo Boo, all came from a common ancestor. Does that sound like anything else you've heard? Okay, now, I'm not saying, it's, it's true, it's science. They descended and they, they did that. And they put it on the cover of their magazine, okay? It was a wolf-like creature. So, hold on to your seats. There was one dog kind, there was one cat kind. One cat kind, okay? Uh... And there, were, there was one dromedary kind, which would include camels and llamas. And we could go on and on and on, okay? So, in regard to dinosaurs, like we said, this is triceratops, right? We already talked about that. Well, triceratops belongs to these species, which are called the ceratopsian. Do you see the similarities between all of those? They have a lot of similarities. They all have that flare in the back and the horns are in different positions, different size beaks and everything. But they're all descended from a common kind of dinosaur. Okay? Uh, if you go to our website and look up something called baromenology, you'll be able to find out more if this interests you. So we've categorized that there probably would have been about 50 dinosaur kinds on the ark in order to get all the diversity of species that we know of today. So, if there were about 100 dinosaurs on the ark, we've already talked about how big the ark was, how small the dinosaurs had to be, there's plenty of room for a lot more creatures and supplies. So the next question is, if 100 of them were on the ark, okay, and they came off the ark, then what happened to the others? Well, they died. Some of them, but not many, but some of them were buried in sediment. And a few of them became fossils. Not many, but a few, including my egg right here. Okay? Now, they've remained buried uh, since the flood. Some scientists have dug and found some of them. But guess what? The very first dinosaur bones to be found by paleontologists, they didn't even call them that, but by, by people, was in the 1800s before they were ever identified as dinosaurs. Did you know that? Dinosaur discoveries are a pretty recent thing going on. So 1800s, I want you to keep that in mind as we keep going. But how did they become fossils? Now, if you were here this morning, you remember that story about Mr. Dinosaur sinking and then being slowly buried over millions and millions of years, over a slow and gradual process. But how does that explain places like this? Okay, right here we have a whole bunch of dinosaurs that are all jumbled up because there was a dam made by logs that brought all these dinosaurs that were dead, not alive, 
all into this place. They didn't come there to die. They were dead. They had drowned. And they were all put there. But guess what they're buried with? Clams, logs. Oh, wait. Did I just say clams? That's right. They were buried with clams. Do clams live in the same environment as dinosaurs? Not at all. Indicating that this was a big catastrophe that buried all of these things all at the same time. This is the kind of information you guys can get. And I'm just going to repeat what we talked about today. If, you weren't, if some of you might not have been here, and that is the discovery of red blood cells in dinosaur bones, which really would show that there's no way that these things could survive over 65 million years old. And as I said, clear blood vessels with liquid contents and flexible, resilient tissue that could be stretched. And as I said, this experiment has been repeated many, many times. And just here, right here, is some uh, horn tissue from, uh, from uh, Triceratops. You can see that that's stretchy as well. But it was totally shocking to this woman. I didn't believe it till we'd done it 17 times. And since that time, over and over and over again, they found flexible, resilient tissue inside dinosaur bones. This is something that's been repeated over and over again. So the question is, is this evidence of millions of years of gradual burial? Or does Noah's flood more aptly explain how we have these fossils and that they're not millions of years old? Well, let's take a look at a few more dinosaur fossils. Right here on the left, we have protoceratops. Down there on the right is the famous, now famous, Velociraptor, okay? And notice Velociraptor's arm is inside of Protoceratops' mouth. Those, these bones weren't posed this way. This is exactly the position they were found in the matrix, okay? The, 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 the sediment that had buried them. Now, do you think that they posed for this picture for millions of years? Or is this a sign of a catastrophic event? Now, actually, there's only about 1,200 complete dinosaur skeletons in the museums around the world today. However, there are millions of these, and there's dinosaur tracks, okay? Uh, does any, has anybody ever had maybe a track? Well, I'm talking about, I was about to say a deer track. Can I say that in Phoenix? A deer track in Phoenix? Okay. Has anybody had a deer track in their, in their backyard? And what has to be true in order for that that footprint to be kept there. Has to, probably the soil has to be maybe moist or at least maybe a little muddy. And how many millions of years will that footprint last? Somebody tell me. How many millions of years? <clears throat> yeah, maybe two days. Okay, it's not going to take long. Now, if you wanted to preserve that track, you could get some plaster of Paris and put that on top and then make a form. Well, that's how these fossils were made. Another layer came on top of them. Now, these are probably from a duck-billed dinosaur, okay? A theropod. So the ones with the big legs in the, in the back and the little tiny arms in the front, okay? But we can see some things. First off, this dinosaur was on its tippy toes. That doesn't mean it was doing ballet, okay? It's because it was buoyant. It was floating and it was going uphill with its right leg actually slipping as it got a little bit of grip on its left leg. You can see here the pattern that the right leg was slipping, going uphill. Why do I know he was in water? Because these are ripple marks 
in the soil that these, plant, that these footprints were left. This is evidence of a catastrophic flood and these dinosaurs running for the hills trying to get away. Okay, next question. Is the word dinosaur in the Bible? Nope. No, it's not. And there's a really good reason for that. Because remember when the first dinosaur bones were discovered? 1800s. And in fact, this guy, Sir Richard Owen, is the one that invented the word dinosaur in 1841. It came from the Greek. It means terrible lizard. 1841, they named dinosaurs because they were finding these big bones and they came up with this name. But keep in mind that the first English translations of the Bible predate that time. So there's no wonder that the world where dinosaur would not be in the Bible because it didn't even exist when those translations were made. However, there is a word in the Bible, it's a Hebrew word, tanin, that represents in most translations big, giant reptiles with claws, teeth, and horns, and scary. Do you know what that word translated into English would be? Dragons. Okay, now that's, that's in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in the King James Version. The word occurs 14 times in the Old Testament. And sometimes it means a real honest dragon like with sharp teeth. It's <laughs> sometimes it's a metaphor, I will agree with you. But it's based on a real monstrous creature. Dragons. They're not just in Disney myths. Do we have any fishermen here tonight? And I say man, not fisher boy. Do we have any fishermen? Sir, you're a fisherman? All right. So I don't have I don't have anybody. I just need somebody to to well, I guess we're in Phoenix. Huh? Is a fisherman? Well, right here? You are? You're a fisher boy. Are you a fisherman? You are. Okay, thank you. Finally, I got a volunteer. Can I ask you a question? Are you maybe re- somehow, you know this? I know her. You know her? Are you maybe related in some way? We're, well, no, we better not be. Huh? <laughs> Perhaps you're married? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, this isn't working out for me at all. <laughs> Can you pretend at least? Okay, okay. Here's the deal: is that when when you uh, when have you ever gone out and bought, gotten a fish this big, and then when you open the cooler, it's actually this big? That's never happened to you, right? Never. You've never exaggerated anything about what you've done. Your triumphs in life, your manhood things. Never done that. <laughs> Be careful with that guy. Okay, but anyhow. Okay, most men exaggerate about what they do. So here's the question. Could dragons of legend actually be dragons of history? Let me explain what I mean by that. Thousands of accounts of dragons have been written in historical documents. Thousands, or about 1,000, excuse me, not thousands, about 1,000, including Marco Polo, who said he killed a dragon. We believe everything else he wrote, okay? But there are many written uh, accounts of dragons. And in almost every case, it's of men killing the dragons, and usually to save the damsel in distress, something like that. So could it be that the dragons that are in history, not Disney books, but history, 
Could they be dinosaurs? Let's take a look here. Here's a skull of a dinosaur called Dracorex. Okay? Now, an artist was hired by National Geographic in order to make a representation of what this dinosaur actually looked like, and they put it on the cover of their magazine. And ladies and gentlemen, sorry, if I had hired anybody from Disney, would I have anything that looks more like a dragon than that one? That is a dinosaur. Or is it a dragon? Or is it both? Dragons are in the record of of countries in Europe and, of course, in Asia. Uh, If you go into France, you'll hear about St. George and the Dragon. Many pieces of artwork were about this man. He was witnessed by over 100 people slaying a dragon to protect the king's daughter and was knighted for it. Okay, And there are many artist conceptions, and in every case, the dinosaur looks like uh, an iguanodon. Even here on this continent, Native Americans had something they called the mighty thunderbirds. These were reptilian flying creatures. Okay, And it's interesting because these stories that were written on their cave walls okay, match the description of what we now know to be the Quetzalcoatlus which was the largest flying pterosaur of all time. They even drew them on their cave walls. Is it a coincidence that these people drew artwork of this creature? Or could it be that they have seen them? Here in Carlisle Cathedral, Bishop Richard Bell was buried in 1496. His tomb is on the, on, uh, in the floor of, of the cathedral. And carved around his... Uh, His tomb into brass is a fish, dog, pig, bird. We have better pictures of it out there. But yet also a sauropod. A sauropod dinosaur. That's the ones with the long necks and the really long tails, okay? Here we have humans drawing sauropod dinosaurs. How did they know what they looked like? This predates the bones being discovered in the 1800s by about 400 years. Here's one that's 4,000 years old, found in China, this little stone statue of a protoceratops. The one on the top is the statue. The one below is the actual animal. It looks exactly like that, but it was carved 4,000 years ago by humans before the first bones were discovered. You guys catching it? Here we go into Cambodia. This is my favorite one at the Angkor Wat Temple. Okay, carved into stone. This temple was dedicated in 1186 A.D., Okay, long before the first dinosaur bones were discovered, but let's zoom in on this. What is that? Kids, do you know what that is? Stegosaur. Did you guys hear them? They recognized it right away. This is a stegosaur. So anyhow, we do have, you guys bought out this book this morning. We still have one sample copy. If you still want it, we'll ship it to you free. But this is an awesome book called Dire Dragons, and it has almost 100 examples of artwork done by man predating the discovery of dinosaur bones that look exactly like dinosaurs. They called them dragons, but they were dinosaurs. Are you guys following with me? I'm telling you, this is pretty exciting stuff. It's life-changing. Put that book on your coffee table right here before Thanksgiving when crazy Uncle Joe comes in and you'll have a really interesting conversation. If you have a crazy Uncle Joe, I do, but maybe you don't. (laughs) Now, does the Bible say anything at all about dinosaurs? We know the word isn't there, but I I think it might. There's a a book uh, that's, that's named Job. It's about this guy that had some really bad stuff happen to him, right? 
And Job is asking, why did this happen? And his friends come and they give him some not so great answers until finally God doesn't answer his question directly. What he does is he goes through chapter after chapter after chapter talking about the things that he created. It's almost like he was going through a zoo talking about it. Four chapters, chapters 38 through 41. He goes through and says, Job, consider the lion. Did you create that? How about the deer? And he describes their beauty and everything. And then later on, he spends the most time on an animal in in chapter 40. And this animal is named Behemoth. He said, that which I made as I made you. So they existed at the same time, okay? God created Behemoth just as God created Job. There's a lot of speculation about what Behemoth might be. And in fact, there's a footnote on one of the most popular English translations of the Bible that says this is a hippopotamus or an elephant because it's a very large animal. But let's compare that to a sauropod. Now, Job 40 says that Behemoth eats grass. So do hippos eat grass? Sure. Elephants? Yeah. How about a sauropod? Actually, it is true. Okay? Sauropods were herbivores. They only ate that. It's interesting. They say that grasses did not exist at the time of dinosaurs on this thing at the Fernbank Museum. But turns out we found fossilized dinosaurs with grasses inside their stomach fossilized. Oops. In fact, right here is a piece of coprolite that would show us exactly what that... Have you guys ever heard of coprolite? Is anybody? You know what coprolite is, young man? What is it? (laughs) Exactly. I think that's the technical term, dinosaur poop. (laughs) Correct. I prefer the term (laughs) doo-doo, okay? But inside there, all right. Job 40 also said that he had really big bones. Now, do elephants have big bones? Yeah. Yeah, how about hippos? Yeah. How about dinosaurs? Yeah, some of the big ones sure did. It says that he had a tail that moves like a cedar tree. Okay, now the cedars that were used to build the temple that came from Lebanon were massive trees. Okay, these aren't like the little ornamental ones that we have here. But it was a massive tree. But tell me, does this look like a cedar tree to you? (laughs) I think that maybe, perhaps... Job 40 is talking about behemoth as one of these huge sauropods. And one of the big clues is it says that when the Jordan was in flood stage, which is 45 feet deep today, that he could keep his head above water and, and hold it up against the current. Now, no elephant, no hippo could do that, right? Only one of these beautiful creatures that God was telling him, telling Job to give glory to him as the creator because he's the creator, Job wasn't. And by the way, Neither are we, okay? All right, next question. If they came off the ark, where are they now? You know, there's a lot of... That's right, you are correct. All right? Um, Evolutionists have a lot of theories. You've probably heard of the asteroid impact theory. All right? And indeed, the evidence for an asteroid hitting around the Yucatan Peninsula is very strong. But the question would be, how come there's still turtles, crocodiles, snakes, and mammals? Why didn't it extinct other reptiles and amphibians? The bottom line is evolutionists can't know exactly what happened to the dinosaurs. They can only theorize. But today I'm going to tell you exactly what happened to the dinosaurs. That's all we know, okay? They're not here. God created them. A flood came. There were maybe 100 on the ark. They did multiply because we do have evidence of those. But let me ask you this. 
Could a post-flood ice age, which lasted 500 to 700 years, and by the way, the evidence for that is very strong. You can find that out on our website. Do you think an ice age would impact the probability of reptiles that are cold-blooded not being able to survive? Absolutely. How about disease due to a lack of food sources because the flood destroyed all the plants and trees and everything. It was a really hard, hard thing. And so probably a lot of animals went extinct. And, and, and in fact, other animals have gone extinct. Am I right? Right? Even today. But I'd like to consider another idea tonight. And that is, did man have a role in their extinction? Okay? As we already talked about this morning, God did say later on after the fall that when there was death that we could eat meat, okay? And any hunter knows that if you kill this baby, wouldn't that make a great trophy over the fireplace, okay? You'd be famous if you were able to do that. But here's the other thing. You'd be able to have enough meat to feed the entire village. But maybe most importantly than all, you'd go down in history as the one that slayed the mighty dragon. Remember me telling you about a thousand accounts of dragons being slayed by humans? Do you think that would be a motivating factor in their extinction? So, if somebody asks you if you believe in the age of dinosaurs, I'd like you to say, no, I believe in five ages of dinosaurs. They all start with the letter D. First, God created them. At the very beginning, they were designed. And then there was a great disaster. The biggest disaster in the history of the planet was the fall. That's when they went from a perfect paradise to killing. The next one was the second biggest disaster in world's history, and that was the flood. Okay, the next stage is they went extinct. And then finally, they've been rediscovered and put in our museums around the world. So that's why we're talking about dinosaurs today. Because if dinosaurs are the millions of years old, then the Bible's history is under question. And that's why we need to have answers. Because people are asking questions about all kinds of things, including dinosaurs. And I think we can use the dinosaurs as a subject for evangelism, for telling people about Jesus. What I'm trying to do is don't be scared about getting answers about dinosaurs, okay? There's something that we can use. We need to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know, if, somebody, if we're sharing the gospel with somebody and we say, hey, Jesus loves you, the Bible says so, a lot of people don't think the Bible is true. And if those people have a lot of questions about things like dinosaurs, carbon dating, uh, geology, biology, and if we don't have the answer, it's going to make an eternal impact on that person. And furthermore, if our kids and grandkids come home and we don't have answers, it could have an impact there too. That's why we need to be prepared with a defense. So, evolution usually gets credit for the formation of these dinosaurs over millions of years. But I'd just like to leave us with knowing that dinosaurs were God's creation. And we should give God glory for his, for him being the creator and for what he has made. Okay? All right, so we're going to do some question and answer time.